Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. Remember this one? Milk, it does a body good. Are the infamous got milk? With Michael Jordan asking us, And now our own Detroit Piston, Andre Drummond, is leading the campaign, Milk Means More. It certainly means more to many of the people we serve throughout the pantry network of our seven Feeding America food banks here in Michigan. Milk remains one of the most requested items from our clients. Not long ago, I followed a speaker at a conference who represented a unique point of view that milk was bad. He questioned the nutritional value of milk. I was shocked at his perspective because I've always thought milk does a body good. I was rocked by the intensity of the reaction he received from the nutritionists and dietitians in the room. Hostile might be too timid of a word for their reaction. It seems everything nowadays is touched by policy, politics, and people's agenda. I wish for a simpler time when Michael Jordan asked me if I got milk. Personally, I love milk and eat it with my cereal most mornings and then drink the last bit out of the bowl. Uncultured for sure, but delicious nonetheless. Knowing that milk is one of the most requested items from our clients, the Michigan Milk Producers invited me to their conference two years ago, and their president, Ken Nobis, shocked me by announcing to his conference that the Michigan Milk Producers Association, in honor of their 100th year, were donating 100 gallons of milk per day, And since then, they've increased their donation to 150 gallons per day. MMPA, under the direction and guidance of Ken, has donated 164,250 gallons of milk to the Food Bank Council of Michigan and our Food Bank Network. This is 2,628,000 servings of milk. Ken Novus is a partner like few others in our pursuit to give people struggling with access to healthy, nutritious food access. And he is our guest today on Food for Thought. Come back and be with us in just a moment. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson in the WJR studio. And as promised, our guest, the president for the Michigan Milk Producers Association, and our great friend, Ken Novus. Ken, welcome back to Food for Thought. Well, thanks for having me back on. So my team put together a little brief for me and uh, about you, and uh, one of the first things they did was link me to an, uh, an article uh, in dairy herd management, where you testified before Congress, and uh, and I have to say I read your testimony and it was brilliant. 
Well, if it was brilliant, I, I can't take full credit for it. Well, <laughs> we, we all got to have a team that props us up at some point, don't we? Yes, and, and we have a great team in the dairy industry at Michigan Milk and National Milk, and uh, we, we, do, uh, we can do a lot when we work together, and we try to do that every day. Well, you're also, you are the president for the Michigan Milk Producers Association, and, uh, you know, that's just not here in Michigan. either. I, that's Indiana, Ohio, and you, you've spread that across the, the Midwest here. Yeah, and we actually want to spread that footprint further. It's, it's our goal to expand that, our geographical footprint so we can access more markets and, and bring better value to our members' milk. And you're also, Ken, serving as the first vice chair for the National Milk Producers Federation. That's true, yes. So the National Milk Producers Federation is, is exactly what the name would imply, a federation of dairy co-ops that are working together on a national and international level to, to represent dairy farmers across this nation. So was it in that capacity as the first vice chair that you testified before the Agricultural Committee in Washington, D.C.? Actually, uh, that's part of it, but the main reason is is the close working relationship we have with Senator Stabenow, mm-hmm. who is a ranking member on the Senate Ag Committee. So she, because of the, the rules in, in uh, Congress, she has the option and the opportunity to call on a witness at those hearings, also being ranking member. So that was um, the, the invitation. The invitation came from Senator Pat Roberts, right? But it, it was at the um, request of Senator Stabenow. I know that. Well, I think we want to kind of peel the layers off that onion maybe a little bit later in the show. But you know, I I just wanted to introduce you as this this gentlemen of influence, uh, both here in Michigan, the Midwest, and now nationally as well. But at the same time, just remind everybody that the Michigan Milk Producers Association is donating 150 gallons of milk every day to the Food Bank Council and our network of seven food banks. Well, it's, it's, it's our pleasure. It's, uh, you know, we struck up this close relationship over the unfortunate-led uh, issue in Flint, and um, when we've learned more about the food bank, we decided that that was somebody we wanted to partner with and help do good for others in, this, in the state and the surrounding area. So we really appreciate the working relationship we have with you, Phil. Your staff has been tremendous. You have been very gracious. Um, it's it's really built an, an alliance of business and industry and consumers that helps benefit the, the uh, underprivileged people in our area. You know, I'm going to chime in because Phil's got to go get another set of headphones that are a little bigger than the ones he had before. <laughs> uh, but it's nice of you to say, and, and from, on behalf of all of us food banks, we feel the same way. Uh, the Food Bank Council of Michigan does a great job helping us find opportunities that make sense in so many different ways. And and milk and dairy is one of the most important uh, products that, that we need to continue 
continue to expand our distribution of, not only because it's a healthy protein and really, uh, especially for diabetes and some of the other things that we see a lot of, uh, it has a really important role to play there, but it's a product people want. It is one of the most requested and least donated things in our distribution system. So to have this relationship and to and to see it continue to expand as we know what people want and need, um, we think there's incredible opportunities here to continue to find ways to 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 benefit the dairy industry and the the food insecure people in our state. And, and it's great to have a partner like like you to to make that happen. Well, two million six hundred and twenty eight thousand servings of milk has been donated to our network from the Michigan Milk Producers Association. Let me do that again. 2,628,000. Can you imagine? Yeah, now we got to give our listeners time to sit back down. <laughs> you know, the, the standing ovation, I could hear it. I right. could hear it. Now we got to let them sit back down. That's amazing, and we're so grateful for it. Well, we need to remind those listeners that they can help, too. They, they can help contribute to this cause and for dairy and for all foodstuffs to, because there's a significant number of people that that don't have enough food mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that I learned early on about the food bank um, I was educated by your people in fact because I always had a a misrepresentation or a mis uh, I was misinformed. I and it wasn't that I was misinformed. I did was not informed about the people that the food bank serves. And mm. I guess I had the same stereotype in my mind that a lot of people do that it's 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 people that are unwilling to work, the street people. Um, and when I found out that no, it's actually the working poor, and they hold jobs sometimes two jobs, but they don't pay enough to make ends meet, and it's where the food bank steps in and. And when I learned that and, and actually started spreading that word among our membership, uh, the respect and the for the need really grew within our producers. And it's what's made it so easy for our board of directors to represent the 1,100 dairy farms that belong to MMPA and to donate the milk because we all f- feel that uh, it's going to a very good cause and that we're doing it through an agency that we have trust in that the milk is going to go to the right people. Well, Ken, we we appreciate you so much, and we want you to stay with us and come back on the other side of the break. And we'd like to talk with you a little bit about your testimony there and some of the challenges that the dairy farmers are facing and how we can come alongside of you and an advo- uh, as advocates to, to help spread the news and what policy needs to look like in order to... Uh, ensure the success of our Michigan dairy farmers. He's Ken Nobis. He's the president for the Michigan Milk Producers Association. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. He's Jerry Persson. We'll be back here. You come back and be with us. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson in the studio and our guest, Ken Novus, the president of the Michigan Milk Producers Association. And Ken, uh, in your testimony, you talked a little bit about um, what's called the Margin Protection Program. And um, it, it's a good program, but it I guess it got adjusted in some manner in a previous bill and it just wasn't as effective as it needed to be for our dairy farmers. And I wonder if you could explain that a little bit for our listeners. 
Well, it gets complicated, but um, basically, we started, the dairy industry started working with the uh, House and Senate Ag Committees prior to the implementation of what turned out to be the 2014 Farm Bill. Mm-hmm. And we, what we wanted to do is, is we wanted a, a safety net, a reliable safety net. Right. We don't want handouts, but we're faced with issues that a lot of people aren't faced with, uh, like weather, like government edicts, like the current uh, tariffs and, and um, right. that are going on that, that impact us directly. So we feel we need a safety net, but it needs to be a reliable safety net. So we had come up with a plan, and part of that plan, the original, what we called Foundation for the Future, did include a, a, a very slight supply management component to it, right. whereby if there was too much milk being produced for the marketplace, there would be there was a, a, a system set up so that milk could actually be purchased, dairy products could be purchased and put into feeding programs like Food Bank Council. That pretty much got wiped out or, well, about midway through the process. And then it got changed, and it got, the name did surface of margin protection program. And the margin, we deal on margins. So an absolute price means nothing to us. If, mm-hmm. if we could have a very high price for milk, but if our costs are even higher, there's still no margin. Right. So we wanted to protect that margin. And we worked with, with again, with uh, Congress, and we, even through the margin protection program, out of the House and Senate Ag Committees, we had a very a viable program. But then as it was going through the process after it came out of the committee, it was adjusted. There's a factor called a feed cost evaluator in, included in this margin protection program. And the leadership in the House of Representatives reduced that by 10%, which mm. doesn't sound like much. But in reality, what it did, it changed it enough so that even though we've gone through very, very tight margins and negative margins for the last three years, we're now in our fourth year of a, of a, of a very poor dairy market, that margin protection program actually hardly ever triggered. Wow. And it was done at different levels. It was a margin, the disaster level was a $4 margin, and then you could, which the producer could have for just a $100 annual administrative fee. You could buy up to an $8 margin level, but at that $8 margin level, it was extremely expensive. So not very many people did it, but the only people who did do it are are the only ones who ever got any money back out of the program. In fact, Hmm. um, I think it ended up that dairy farmers have actually paid in 70 plus million dollars more than what they've gotten back out of the program so it's it's been it's been totally ineffective um in going forward our current farm bill expires this year that's the one thing we're trying to fix and the bills that have come out of the house and the senate ag committees do address the changes we need the basic changes we need in that area Okay. Do you have the return on investment on that? I mean, if we got that program right, do we know what the economic impact would be? Uh, 
uh, I don't. I don't have those numbers. So, but I'm sure that's part of what's going on there. Is that it? Not only makes sense from the standpoint of you know keeping an industry that's vital to our food supply thriving and making sure that it's there for when we need it, but also has a return to the business community and to the state government and all of us out here who are paying taxes. That you know it it operates something like an insurance program that actually should return good results. Well, if you look at agriculture as a whole, and we'll just use Michigan as an example, you know, we're based on the MSU Product Center, we're uh, over a $100 billion economic engine for this state. Dairy is the largest single commodity component of that $100 million. We represent 22% of it. And it's, it's an economic engine for rural Michigan. The, yeah. the, the more consolidation you get, the more ag that leaves rural Michigan, the fewer jobs you have in that in those areas. So it has ag as a whole and dairy especially because there's so many jobs that are added after that product leaves the farm mm-hmm. is a is a terrific economic impact on the state of Michigan. Dairy alone has a almost sixteen billion dollar annual impact on the state's economy. Wow. So in terms of, I guess, and in a roundabout way, that might help answer the question that you ask about the economic impact. But um, I mean, yes, it, it, it just makes sense because we're in a situation right now, like I said, we've gone through three really poor years, and we were looking for price recovery by the, in the second half of this year. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, we were looking at some, some actually – better than break-even uh, margin levels, and then the discussions, the steel embargoes, steel tariffs were put in place. Right. And whenever you have trade wars, nobody wins in a trade war. Right. But whenever this country puts a tariff on anything, the retaliatory effort comes back at agriculture because, ag- because it's a political issue. And agriculture is in every state in the Union. So a foreign competitor that has had a tariff placed on their product can get the biggest bang for their buck by retaliating in the ag area, and that's just exactly what's happened. In the case of dairy, from May 31st until July 6th, and that's when all the discussions started taking place and the steel tariffs went on, the U.S. ag industry lost $2 billion in potential income for the last half of the year. Wow. So I got to imagine, Ken, that you guys are also keeping your eye on on the uh, renegotiation of NAFTA as well. NAFTA is the one that's most important to the dairy industry. I think it's seventy five percent of our total dairy exports go to Mexico. Dairy exports fifteen percent of what we produce in this country. In other words. Those milk tankers you see on the road, one in seven of them is destined for an export market. So without that, especially with a perishable product like dairy, we're uh, we're in a deep economic uh, issue. So there's a, a question I wanted to ask you that my staff gave me, and they just put it in a brief for me. And so 150 gallons of milk a day that Michigan Milk Producers Association is donating to the Food Bank Council and our network. Do I understand that you, as uh, MMPA, 
you're having to pay some kind of a tax on the donated milk? Yeah, we can give the milk away, but in addition to that, dairy pricing is very complicated. There's four classes of milk, uh, class one, two, three, and four. Class one is fluid, and it's worth the most money. But this is all divided up through the federal order system. So this milk that we're giving away, there's, there's an upcharge that we have to pay into the federal order system to make the system work to comply with the rules of the system. And I've talked to the, uh, the top regulator at uh, USDA, and she says there's nothing she can do to get around that. It would take legislative action. So yes, we, it's, it's, you could call it a tax. That's exactly what you could call it. So we not only give it away, but we have to pay a tax on top of it. That's just back word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's FCC okay to say. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling. So you got a, a group of dairy farmers, 1,100 dairy farmers, that are donating 150 gallons of milk, over 2 million, almost 3 million servings of milk, and they have to pay a tax in order to help the poor through the Food Bank Council Network. That's, that's, if that's not back-assword, I don't know what is. Well, I would agree with you. <laughs> so, well, that's something we're going to talk about toward the end of the show when Jerry and I recap and ask our listeners to join us when we can figure this out and and uh, and, and and give them a call to action because there's a couple... If you got to pay a tax to make a donation, something's wrong. That's not the way it's supposed to work. No, I'm putting the cookies on my shelf right here. (laughs) You know, that just makes no sense. Hey, folks, come back and be with us. Ken Novus, the president of the Michigan Milk Producers Association. He's also the first vice chair for the National Milk Producers Federation. He's our guest on Food for Thought. Jerry and I will be right back with him. Come back and be with us. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Thanks for listening, everyone. Back here in the WJR studio with Ken Nobis, the president of the Michigan Milk Producers Association. And uh, Jerry, uh, you and Ken were having a a very uh, semi-humorous conversation there. But why don't you guys continue that on air because it was uh it was it was pretty funny for Mark and I to listen to. <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not sure if we can recreate it perfectly, but I will I will say this: um, every agricultural channel is more complicated underneath than what it looks at face value, and yeah. so what we were really talking about was the impact of the tariffs on. Um, Trade. On trade, particularly after the dairy industry has already spent a fair chunk of their own money to develop these markets and now is really suffering from the uh, the trade war or maybe, you know, if that's the right word to call it, that's going on right now. And so uh, so anyway, Ken, if you want to if you want to talk a little bit about that and then I'll I'll try to follow up. I'm not sure if I'll be as funny the next time around, though. When we actually talk about the trade issue, it's it's, it's not funny, um, obviously, because it's it's meant a loss of a lot of income to dairy farmers. We uh, we the dairy industry as a whole in the United States, after the steel embargoes went on and the retaliatory efforts um, in the form of tariffs by our 
uh, buyers in foreign countries has meant a loss of about $2 billion in six months to the U.S. dairy industry this year. So dairy, dairy uh, its exports have grown dramatically. In the late 1990s, we exported about 4% of the milk we produced, and it goes out in the form of powder and cheese and butter, not in the form of fluid milk. But we've done that through our own money, and we've built that market. We've gone up. We've, uh, we're averaging about 15% of it, or one in seven tanker loads of milk you see on the road is destined for an export market. Wow. And it's been done by the dairy industry. There's been some government help, very little. It's mostly dollars from dairy farmers' pockets that have developed that export market because we recognize that the U.S. market is, is becoming a, it's a, not saturated, but it's a developed market. So to continue to grow our industry, to grow the economy, the economic impact that dairy has in this country, we really need to look globally to expand our footprint, to ship milk into those countries who are leaving the uh, subsistence uh, class and moving into the middle class, which is where they want a better diet, a better protein, where dairy fits in very, very well. So we, we targeted the right issues. We invested money. We've grown those markets dramatically. Um, Mexico, for example, takes about 75% of all the dairy exports we have in this country. It's been a tremendous market for us, and through NAFTA, it's now tariff-free for dairy. So the renegotiation of NAFTA is extremely important to us. We don't want it messed up, obviously, because it's a tremendous market for us. We were making inroads into Southeast Asia, um, the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, that this country had been working cooperatively on was eliminated in uh, January 2016, and that um, we, we were we were going to gain market share there also. So it's been an uphill battle for us to get uh, in the foreign marketplace, but it's it's one of the reasons why we do need effective safety nets because it's totally outside our control when these trade issues pop up. It's more on the national and international level. But um, by and large, if you're going to grow agriculture in this country, we need those export markets. So they're very important to us. And I think what we have in common on that topic mostly is the need to really think about what is the right safety net and uh, and what should that safety net look like and how do we integrate all these issues so that we can take care of the safety nets for business, which in this case is agriculture, and also people who we serve, who you mentioned earlier, who might be working one or two jobs and still can't make ends meet. And all of those things require some really clear thinking about the safety net, making sure it works, not just for the benefit of the people in need, but for the benefit of the whole community so that all boats rise. We had suggested, the dairy industry did, that, that there be a component to a safety net that, that allowed for the purchase of dairy products when you get into a, a, a um, downturn in the dairy industry and, and that those purchase products go into feeding programs through the Food Bank Council. To us, that's an ideal uh, solution. Brilliant policy. 
and uh, we stand right alongside of you on that, Ken. And you know, when we get back together uh, off air, then we want to we want to talk some strategy with you about how we can bring our network to bear, because it is one of the most requested items across our. Um, pantry network that now numbers about 3,000 different pantries just across the state of Michigan. So, I, I Ken, we've talked about um, international trade policy. We've talked about the economic impact that the dairy industry has in the state of Michigan, um, which is unbelievably large. Um, and 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 then, you know, to bring it all back home. Here is a group of, uh, of families that are in the dairy business that care so much about their hungry neighbors. They're donating um, almost 3 million servings of milk to their communities. And so, I mean, the, the range of topics in this program are, are vast and large, but when it comes down, you've got people caring about people, and I think that defines your dairy farmers as well as I could. It's, uh, I'm very, very proud of our industry. Absolutely. Ken Novus, the president for the Michigan Milk Producers Association, our guest here on Food for Thought, but most importantly, our friend and partner. Ken, thanks for being with us. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on, Phil. It's, a, it's our pleasure. Ken Novus, thanks for being with us. Jerry and I will be back. You come back and be with us. We'll be right here. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back, everyone. Food for Thought here. Jerry Brisson. That was Ken Nobus. And if there's a guy walking around this planet that knows more about milk and dairy, I don't know who it would be. Yeah, he's a and he he is a very smart and and very good man. Um, And one of the people who are helping us figure out this whole channel. And again, everything comes down to um, more detail than you would think when you're looking from the outside in. And so it's helpful to have partners like Ken who can help us navigate what's actually happening happening in the dairy segment of, of the food chain because there are opportunities here that we need to understand better so we can make the best use of all the funds available to support the safety net. And I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, when he was, when he was getting off in uh, the air... Um, he made a comment, and I think we had already shut down the microphone about how Kroger has been a great partner for him. And I, I want right. to say that locally as well. Um, Kroger really has stepped up in this area of helping us get more milk out to the state. And uh, probably worth saying again, uh, what a great partner they've been in all this, too. Well, and I think by something that got missed is how there's, this partnership came about. And it was uh, at the very beginning of the Flint water crisis when milk was identified as one of the lead mitigating foods that the kids needed to get. So uh, Michigan Milk Producers Association said to the state of Michigan, we're willing to donate the milk, but we want to make sure it goes where it's needed. And, and the state of Michigan, DHHS in particular, said, well, we know who can get it to them, and that's the Food Bank Council. And in this case, it was the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. And so when we did that work together, Ken and his team noticed that, wow, these people have a distribution network to the people in need, unlike anything I've ever seen, we should begin to do this statewide. 
And so that's when he invited me to his conference. And I don't know, there were 700 dairy farmers and their families in the room. And he said, in honor of our 100th anniversary, we've been giving you 50 gallons a day. We want to give you 100 gallons a day. I had no idea that was coming. Yeah, that's So you said something to catch me off guard. And he caught me totally off guard. And now that donation has gone from 50 gallons a day to 100, and now it's 150 gallons every day. Yeah, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And, and part of w- all of the effort that it takes to really put the safety net together in the way that makes the most sense. And yeah. uh, generosity will always be part of the solution. Uh, but I think we're adding to that the business case. And particularly in the dairy industry, when they're having trouble getting all the margin they need to survive. And we know we've lost hundreds of dairy farmers in Michigan because of the supply-demand issues that they have to grapple with. And so, you know, smart legislation and really good work on this issue is going to require how do we be present in the times when there's this slack in the market Get that food to people who need it. Support business and industry while we're supporting people who need emergency or supplemental food. Well, you know, I say this all the time. I got to put the cookies on the lower shelves, mainly so I can understand it. And some of the stuff that Ken's dealing with is way more complicated than I could ever imagine having to deal with. But the bottom line for me is if it's a policy that helps us create food security, if it's a policy that helps ensure the industry, like dairy farmers, and we talk about a safety net for people, now we're talking about a safety net for an industry, then all those things should be moving in the same direction. Yeah. Not counterintuitive. For example, they're donating milk and have to pay a federal tax upcharge into the that where it just makes no sense that's right i mean that's just goofy and it's unintended right i mean so when you understand how the milk supports work and and the legislation was probably built to say so if you actually have a market for your product you're going to pay back some of the money that was paid out to you right i mean there's some logic to that but when you dive down into what that means in this situation it's like oh we didn't think this through to that degree, and so it's just a fix. I mean, but someone's got to be on top of these fixes, right? Because because it may if we can open that door just a little bit wider. Let's just say this: there are tens of thousands of households that could use that product right now that they're not getting because of this upcharge. That's a simple fix that would help tens of thousands of people. If not more. And so those things have to happen, and we got to keep working at those things if we're going to have a food safety net that works the way it should. And an industry safety net. Exactly. I mean, because if it's costing me money to donate my product that I'm already willing to donate, but now I've got to pay a tax on it, that's goofy. That just makes no sense. Now, I know my lens might be a little narrow, the food security lens, but still, if it's policy that helps us finish that mission, it's going to be good for everybody. Well, and when people ask me, you know, what does advocacy really mean? You know, it's not just about browbeating people. In fact, it's hardly ever about that. It's about understanding what legislation says, making sure that it's, that it's crafted in ways that do all good and no harm, 
and continuing to work at that until you have it working smoothly and correctly. And that's a lot of work, and it's certainly fraught with lots of steps that can go awry, but you know what? You have to be present to this. You have to be working on this and making these changes in the right way. Well, and I think even from an advocacy standpoint, everybody's trying to do the right thing. But to think down about the implications of the policy at all of these different levels is a very difficult thing to do. So I don't say it's an easy thing. It's just something that when we notice something like this, the uh, margin protection program that's not protecting the margin, we need to adjust it. Yep, correct. No time, question. Time for a little food for thought. Walt Disney said, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. I like that. Miguel Cervantes said, in order to obtain the impossible, one must attempt the absurd. Not long ago in our history, getting enough milk to people in need seemed impossible. There wasn't enough donations, enough money to pay for the processing, enough money for the refrigerated trucking or refrigerated space in our food banks, and especially in our pantry network. But now, it's kind of fun. Never tell someone it's impossible. A God may have waited a long time for someone to come along ignorant enough of the impossible to do that very thing. I'm proud to be a part of a network that continues to do the impossible. That's it for this week's edition of Food for Thought. Catch all our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org and follow me on Twitter at DrPhil14. Listen to Jerry and I every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. here on WJR. And thanks for listening. And until next week, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.